0: power
1: in your name. trust in Jesus
0: Because what I want to tell you is that service is hard. Working for justice where there is no justice is not like an easy thing. You are going against the grain. You are going against what happens normally. And it can be very disconcerting when you're in the midst of it because you see these issues. You're like, this is so huge. How is this ever going to be changed? And what I'm doing, it's just so inconsequential. But you have to realize that when God called you to it, he will keep you in the midst of it.
1: It's hard to change the way things are done to swim against the current of history and culture. This is especially true when it comes to ushering justice into places of brokenness. What you're doing can feel pointless, like a drop in the bucket. That's not really going to make it happen. But today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that God will be faithful to keep you in what he's called you into. He's with you, won't leave you hanging. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 42 as he continues his message, Service and Praise.
0: this in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verses 24 to 26 speaking of the gentle Christian worker so then a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all able to teach patient in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. See, this idea of the servant of the Lord not being quarrelsome, but being gentle, being patient, even in the way that they correct people, being humble, hoping that God will grant repentance so that people may come to the truth. See, the reason I bring this up is the spirit leads us into service, but we learn here about Jesus in verse three that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. So the idea is if a reed was a plant that was by a river, and so if it was broken, if it was pushed over, instead of breaking and getting rid of it, he would support it so that it would heal a smoldering flax. You ever have those times when you have to do like a little fire, or a little bonfire or whatever, and the wood, it's just like, you know that it's burning, but it's really just smoking and it's about to go out? Instead of snuffing that out, the idea is, is that he's going to nurture it to bring that flame back. See, that's the heart of the Lord. The Lord is not interested in discarding what is broken and snuffing out where there's no fire. He's interested in bringing healing and fanning a smoldering little area into a huge flame and that's what god wants us to do that's who he wants us to be he wants us to be the kind of people led by the holy spirit that when somebody is almost at their wit's end and they're broken we don't just step on them and crush them but we care for them when someone's the fire of spiritual fervor is almost done. It's almost snuffed. I'm about ready to walk away. God doesn't say, yeah, I want you to go judge him and step on that fire. He says, no, I want you to come and add some kindling and had a little, if you need, throw some gasoline on that thing and get that thing going again. That's who God wants us to be. And the Spirit of God leads us into service. See, again, this is why I think politics are so deadly in the church right now. Because Everything that Jesus cares about gets politicized so that the people of God don't think biblically. They think politically about everything. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus understood the politics of his day, but he didn't let politics define how things were supposed to work. And I think for many of us, the struggle that we're having right now is you've let 21st century American politics show you what the playing field is rather than this book. Because if it talks about justice, helping people, helping people on the margins, when these things are politicized, we don't think spiritually, we just think based on our political views. And I'm here to tell you, wherever you land on the political spectrum, both sides are wrong because Jesus's way is the more excellent way. And nobody has Jesus's heart together except for Jesus. Jesus. So we have to make sure because we live in a day and age where it's like, well, if someone can't afford it. Well, then they just got to go get a job. Give them a job. See, that's the stuff. When you read the Bible, you're like, oh, it's not about just me judging them because who knows what their situation is to bring them there. Like, look, we have a homelessness epidemic and it's so easy to say, oh, well, you know, they should just go get a house, get a job. But then if you've ever done ministry amongst people who are without a home, you realize that there's all sorts of reasons that are real why they're there. Whether it's mental illness related or addiction related. I mean, I try and imagine what it would be like to have no support net for myself. I mean, if I fell on hard times right now, every time I talk about Twinkies, you guys bring me like boxes of Twinkies. (laughs) If I fell on hard times, be like, man, listen, you know, can I go wash your car? A bunch of you let me wash your car. You probably even have a Twinkie on the front seat for me, you know. But that's because I have a support network of people. But then I try and imagine what it would be like to have no support network. What it's like to not have anybody who's in your corner who when push comes to shove will help. Now you might say, well, maybe you burned it. But listen, when there's addiction issues and mental illness, these things, these things go on. And now all of a sudden it's like someone has no support and then they fall into hard times and then things get really, really bad. But what happens is is that if we only think about these things politically, we don't actually realize that that's a person created in the image and likeness of God. And it changes the way we think. I believe that the Spirit of God leads us to serve more and more. Now, I love verse 4. And I want to miss this before we leave. Talk about the Spirit of God working. Notice what it says. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastland shall wait for his law. You guys, listen. The Spirit of God will lead you to service that is not discouraged. I think what goes on for many of us is we want to help, but we do it in fits and starts because it's so easy to get discouraged, isn't it? I think Satan brokers in discouragement more than almost anything else because discouragement keeps us from showing up again. Don't be discouraged. Because Jesus is working and the spirit will lead us in a service. Now from there, look what it says in verse five. It says, thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth, And that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Now, I love this because what we learn here is that the creator both calls and keeps. Now, this is super encouraging because if the spirit is going to lead us into service, now what we learn is that this creator God not only calls us to himself, but keeps us in the midst of what we're doing. Notice, thus says, verse 5, God the Lord who created the heavens and Stretch them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. See, this idea of God as the creator and the sustainer, this is biblical understanding of God 101, that God created and sustains everything, right? This is an amplification of Genesis one right? God created the heavens and the earth, and he gives breath to everybody, he gives life to everyone, the spirit of life, and this creator God, he, notice verse 6, I the Lord have called you in righteousness, so the creator and the sustainer God calls each one of us, now this idea of calling is an effectual calling, it's kind of like, how many of you guys ever wait at the grocery store at the deli County, you take a number, and when they call your number, what do you do? You do a little dance on the way up, right? You're like, I'll get me some roast beef. I'll get me some turkey, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? See, I think that folks work at the deli counter. They got a great gig. Because everyone's just waiting. And then your number is called. Everyone smiles and just scurry up, you know? Can I get a little taste of the ambrosia, please? That's my favorite deli counter line right there. Can I taste your ambrosia today? Everyone's like, well, Never mind. If you work at the deli counter, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen me there, you know. Anyway, when you're called, it means God is reaching out and saying, come on, I want you to be a part of this. I want to partner with you to change the world, right? And then not only does he call, but, and I will hold your hands and I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. He calls and he keeps I love that. See, our little Annabelle, I mean, I just love this little girl. She's three years old. There's nothing more fun when that, that little girl reaches up and grabs your hand. It's so sweet. Where it's like, or we'll be walking, and I, it's funny, I try to do it with all my kids. I mean, Obadiah is a little too cool for it. Don't tell him I try and grab his hand. You know, but I just like, I can reach over and just kind of <laughs> snag his hand. But, because I'm his dad, and I love him, you know? But it's like, the idea of, I will hold you in my hand. I'm going to take care of you in the midst of this journey. And that's why I want to encourage you. Because as you step on out, as the Spirit of God leads you into service, you have to realize that the Creator God who created you and sustained you, and everybody else, He's called you to this, and He's going to keep you in the midst of it. Because what I want to tell you is that service is hard. Working for justice where there is no justice is not like an easy thing. You are going against the grain. You are going against what happens normally. And it can be very disconcerting when you're in the midst of it because you see these issues. You're like, this is so huge. How is this ever going to be changed? And what I'm doing, it's so inconsequential. But you have to realize that when God called you to it, he will keep you in the midst of it. He will do the most amazing work. He doesn't call you and then leave you to your own devices. He calls you and he says, listen, I'm going to hold you in my hand. I'm going to keep you and I'm going to give you out. This idea where Jesus takes and he blesses and he breaks and then he gives. That's not only meant to be the bread and the cup, but that's meant to be all of our lives, just like it was Jesus's life, where Jesus receives us and he blesses us and he breaks us so that he can give us out. Your life was meant to be given just as Jesus is. Now, of course, Jesus is the only one who can forgive someone of their sins. But the message of that forgiveness of sins getting out happens through people. And what's beautiful is that he calls us and he keeps us. But notice what it says here. He says, I'll give you as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness from the prison house. He's like, look, I'm going to give you as a light to people so that everybody who is lost may be found again. And that's what God wants. God wants you to be a vehicle for the light of Jesus to enter into the world. But you have to ask yourself, is that who you are? Is this the testimony of your life? God blessed me with this about two weeks ago. Lynn and I, my bride, we were talking and I love talking about Jesus with my wife, you know. It's such a fun part of it. And we were talking about something and we were talking about being convicted. You know what conviction is? You know, it's like where you hear something and then all of a sudden the spirit of God provokes you being like, that's an area I want to work on. So I was starting to pray about conviction and I felt like the Lord whispered in my heart, Daniel, Daniel, Conviction is good, but repentance is better. Now think about that. I'm going to unpack that for you. Because remember I talked about the difference between translative and transformational? Conviction is when who you are, the Spirit of God says, that's who you are, but that's not who I necessarily want you to be. Repentance is when we receive that conviction and we turn from whatever it is that we are convicted about and we turn to Jesus And Jesus transforms our life. See, it's easy to be convicted. It's easy to be like, I need to change this. I had that last night. I was holding a little thing of gelato. I don't know how it ended up in my hand, actually. No, I do. I totally know how it got there. I put it there. And I remember looking at this little gelato, and it's a gelato, so it's Italian. So you know, I'm like, this is like home. And I was like holding the gelato. And and I remember thinking to myself, you know, you probably shouldn't eat that right now. I was convicted, but I ate it. (laughs) And I know you would have too. It's like the gelato's in your hand. It's like so close to your face, you know. Even Lynn was like, do you really want to eat that right now? I'm like, yes. (laughs) Now, praise God, I didn't eat the whole thing but I wanted to. But it's one thing to be convicted that maybe crushing the gelato is not the smartest move. It's another thing to move away from that. And it's a crude example because, you know, all things are lawful. Not all things edify. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's one thing to be convicted like, man, this wants to change. It's another thing to let the Lord move us from what is wrong into a brand new life. And that's what Jesus wants for us. So when you hear that the spirit leads you into service, you'd be like, man, I'm so convicted. I need to start serving. Conviction is good. Repentance is better. Where all of a sudden you see yourself now serving. Now working for justice in a million and five ways. Before I leave this point, and I need to leave this point or else we'll be here all day. But here's the thing. Everybody has different areas of passion as it exists with justice-seeking. And if all of us step into the areas of passion that God has birthed in our hearts, then all of the areas that justice is needed will be touched. One of the things that goes on in church is that people say, this is the most important area of justice. And you hold your passion, and then what you do is you get aggressive with other people who theirs is in a different place. So for some of you, you're going to say, I need to work to alleviate poverty. Others of you are like, I need to work to alleviate abortion. Some of you say, I need to work to alleviate wage discrimination. I need to work cross-culturally to make sure that children have malaria nets. I need to make sure that people who don't have a place to live have proper, adequate housing and the things they need. I see the refugee crisis and I say, I need to work in that area. And the key is, is that what happens is, is Satan, he takes that and then all of a sudden people start getting mad at each other. Well, my thing's the most important thing. Don't think that thing is as important as my thing. No, 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 listen. If all of us step on out in those areas of passage, guess what? it all starts to get changed. So we don't fight against one another. We all need to step into those areas of passion that God has given us. Now, as we do that, and as things begin to progress, look what it says, Isaiah 42, verse 8. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you them. Now, this is what you have to realize is that in that day and age when Isaiah was sharing these prophecies, and in this day and age today, that people wanted to give God's glory to other things, mostly to idols. And so what we learn here is you have to make sure that the glory is the Lord's. Nobody should take credit for what is the Lord's. The glory is God's. And we are reminded once again, he said, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. See, because what would go on in that day and age is that the children of Israel were given over to worshiping other gods. And this same thing goes on today. We may not call them gods. But there's anything that you choose to define your life by other than the true and living God. That becomes an idol. For many of us, it could be our careers. It could be our relationships. It could be all sorts of things. But either way, anytime we ascribe glory to something else, that's why, of course, when God uses someone mightily, there's always the concern that someone is going to take the glory when it's really the Lord's. And we have so many beautiful examples of this in the body of Christ where God uses somebody powerfully and they won't allow anybody to give them the glory because they realize that it's God's glory. And God is passionate for God's own glory, not because God is insecure and you better not praise them when I really did the work. It's not like that. See, what happens is, is when we misplace the glory, it becomes a worship problem. And that's why the Ten Commandments... This is in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 6. The Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or there's any earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy on thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. See, the reason God is a jealous God is not because it's based in insecurity. God's jealousy is based in the purest of love. I remember I heard an interview with Oprah Winfrey. Everyone knows who Oprah is? Some of you young people are like, who's that? You know, She was a talk show host, and, and Oprah grew up in a Christian home, and she was saying, well, I'm not a Christian anymore because how could I believe in a jealous God? And she unpacks it like the idea of like a jealous boyfriend. Some of you, unfortunately, have had that experience or maybe a jealous girlfriend. I realize there's two ways on the jealousy street. You know, so all of a sudden, like you're staring at your phone. Who texted you? Oh, nothing. I'm looking at the sports car. No, you didn't. It's that girl that you work with. What girl did I work with? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah, no, no. I'm just, I'm checking out the Yankee score, right? And before you know it, they're breaking into your phone and all this stuff. And you're not really necessarily doing anything unless you are. You know, but this jealousy, this insecurity that drives see, God is the most secure person who's ever lived. So God's jealousy is not rooted in insecurity. God's jealousy is the highest virtue in the world. Why? Because when we give God's glory to somebody other than God, we live a lie and God loves you too much to let you live a lie. When you ascribe glory that is only for the Lord to somebody other than the Lord or something other than the Lord, you walk outside of truth. And a God who is perfect knows that that is not in your best interest. So as we let the Spirit lead us to service, and as the Creator calls and keeps us, we have to make sure that we're always giving the glory to the Lord. Because He is God. And we do these things in his name. Now, this message is going to end with these last bunch of verses here. Look at Isaiah 42, verses 10 to 13. It says, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and the inhabitants of them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits, the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud he shall prevail against his enemies. My friends, we need to let praise rise. We need to let praise rise. See, we're talking about these things that when God transforms our lives, come out one is service and the other is this idea of praise. Notice, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. And then you have these two examples, go down to the sea, to the coastlands, and then let the wilderness and their cities, two places, the sea and the wilderness are not greatly inhabited with people. It's not like in the city, right? These are places where there's not a lot of people, but praise is going to be rising up in places that there aren't a lot of people. Why? Because when God transforms our lives, we begin to praise God with all that
1: we are. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel wrapped up this message and this series with a call to let your praises to the Lord rise up because he deserves your worship. He's at work in you and in the world around you. He loves you unconditionally and has given everything to you so that you can have a relationship with him. So, No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can let your praises bubble up until they overflow and rise up to heaven.
0: Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter,
1: Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel closed out this series called Echoes, where you listened for the timeless truths imparted in the book of Isaiah. Pastor Daniel reminded you that you're never alone. God is there and has given you all you need to walk in the abundant life he has for you you learn that pursuing justice, serving others, and praising the Lord are the natural byproducts of a heart that's transformed by Him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.